Oh, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Bottom of the Bill. We got our Chris, or our Chris, we got our Chris, Chris here. Poland on here today. <laughs> Cheers, everybody. Yeah. Do the obligatory. Cheers. I almost spilled my drink. <laughs> We're off to a great start. That would have been a hilarious start to the show. <laughs> um, it would have been hilarious if it was your house. Yeah. <laughs> Not so funny to me. Uh, <laughs> all right, so. Uh, before we get started, we got to give a shout-out to all of our sponsors, uh, Spliff's Gastropub downtown, Wicked Barley Brewery over in Mandarin, who supplied us last week with some great beer. Thank you guys again for that. Uh, Brews over in Riverside, uh, Harleston Scotch, a great scotch company based out of here in Florida, uh, Sidecar over in San Marco, and Captain Jack Smokehouse up in Fernandina. Uh, some of the best barbecue I've ever had, and they booked me a lot, so that's great. Yeah, it's really, uh, really good. <laughs> And then also, if you guys have any questions or unpopular opinions or comments about the show, please email us at bottomofthebill at gmail.com so we can feature whatever you guys want to say on, on, on an episode. Uh, and also, we have some shows to promote. Uh, we're playing at uh, Monster Mash, the festival. I still got one ticket left. If you want to buy it, <laughs> hit me up. You guys have any uh, tickets? You guys are playing, too. Oh, yeah, yeah that's right. You guys yeah. have any tickets uh, for sale? Tom has not told me if we have any tickets, so. I'm sure you guys have tickets for we sale. We probably have tickets. So um, go to Tom's house and bang on his door. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He'll love that. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, uh, Monster Mash on the 31st of October, um, and then we're also playing at 1904 for the Dinner and a Show series they're doing on November 21st. Nice. Um, and... Then I have a couple solo dates coming up this no Friday. <laughs> I believe I'm playing at Captain Jack's Smokehouse. Shout out again, guys. Uh, and then next Tuesday, I'm playing at Jack Rabbit's. Uh, just doing like a 45-minute set of all my music. And then, uh, yeah, so that's what I got. And you guys, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a busy guy. I'm trying to build a fucking enterprise here. I'll tell you guys. Greenhouse Lounge so. is playing 1904. We just put the poster up today, and we're getting a lot of Looks good. It looks Ooh, really good. Good, nice. good, yeah. good. Good job. From we're going to be playing Friday, that. October 30th, the day before Halloween. So please come. You got anything coming up, Chris? A um, couple shows. I'm playing with uh, John Parker Urban, who was on this yeah. show. Yeah few weeks ago i believe yeah um we're doing something in orange park i think it's by the mall it's like an outdoor festival thing that's coming up not this sunday but next sunday and then also monster mash as well playing with tom Bennett band um that's going to be on the 30th we're playing that friday afternoon and also the next weekend there's a uh, winter solstice show at in bayard amphitheater oh nice playing there with tom as well that sounds awesome next weekend uh the weekend after monster mash Oh, the weekend. Oh, yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Winter so Solstice. I don't know if you picked up on that. Winter it's Solstice like, uh, is December 21st, but keep going. Well, it's a Winter Solstice show. That's so, you know, sense. It's I think it's time. called that. I, <laughs> I hope it's called that. <laughs> it's some kind of show at Bayard that's going to be cool. There's going to be a lot of good bands. I'm playing there. I think uh, John's playing there as well, so I'm playing there with him again for that at Bayard. That sounds so, awesome. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, actually, speaking of that right there, uh, let's kind of <laughs> kick it off with that. You play multiple instruments. Uh, multiple styles with those instruments. How did you get started into playing music, number one? Um, so growing up, I kind of always was around music. My dad um, was a guitar player, singer. My brother is bass player. He was in bands growing up. So growing up, I think the first instrument I sat down and played was the drum, was the drum set, um, just because it was kind of always around. My brother would have his practice space like in our house. So I was you know, seven, eight years old see a drum set i'm like oh yeah bang on this thing so i started there and kind of fell in love with the saxophone after 
I saw someone at the jazz festival when I was very young. Um, my grandparents ran transportation for the Jacksonville, not ran it, but they were part of transportation for the Jacksonville Jazz Festival pretty much my whole life. Um, so I got to meet all the artists that would come through. They were in charge of transportation, like they would like bus artists yep. to the stages and yeah. everything? Okay, yeah. cool. They were part of the group that, uh, back then I'm not sure if they were in charge of it or not, but later on they became more prominent featured in it. So okay. artists would come in and they'd, they'd go get them from the airport and they'd get them to the Metro Park to play and stuff. So I got to meet all these cool artists and I was young, you know, I didn't really know who these guys were at that age, but I was at the jazz festival and I saw uh, Grover Washington Jr. was a really great Hell saxophone yeah. player. Yeah. <clears throat> and I was in fourth grade, I think at the time. And I was just watching him and I was like, I want to do that. <laughs> I want to do what he's doing. And uh, for Christmas that year, my parents rented me a saxophone, like alto sax. So awesome. Got that and took it out on the street like Christmas morning and like opened my case next to the road and was just like, <laughs> that's pretty dumb. Just honking. <laughs> that must have been fun for the neighbors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I'm doing this thing, but that's kind of that kind of where the passion for like playing music and playing music live kind of grew from that first experience. Okay, so you started playing drums first, though. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Okay. Cool. Yep. Drums, and I always kind of just tinkered with drums and stuff, and never did any kind of like lessons or formal training with drums, and just mainly did saxophone through school. Okay, mm-hmm. so um, yeah, so that's pretty. That's pretty crazy to kind of like make the jump from like. You usually don't hear about like drummers <laughs> going to play like like a sax or something. Right. What, what inspired? So I guess seeing Grover Washington inspired that. Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. cool, cool. Yeah, it's really cool. It kind of came full circle. Um, my senior year of high school, he came back to the jazz festival, and so my grandparents were still involved in transportation. So I was like, well, I gotta. You know, I got to meet him, and I met him like the, one of the other times he came before, and kind of told him the story about he had inspired me to play. <clears throat> I met him this last time, uh, my senior year, and he's like, "Why don't you come out and play with me?" <laughs> so I was like, "All right, yeah, all right, it's incredible." Yeah. So it happened. It was homecoming night at Fletcher, and I was in the homecoming court. I was drum major at, at Fletcher, so I was like, as soon as the halftime stuff was done. I told the director, I was like, I got to go. <laughs> and we, like, jetted down to downtown. I caught the second half of his show. And for the encore song, he, like, called me out to play with, wow. like, with them on stage. So it was just, like, surreal moment. And it was before you know, social media and stuff and before everybody had a camera in their pocket. Right. So it's unfortunately no, like, footage of it. Um, but it was just one of those moments where it seemed surreal at the time. And you're, like, playing with somebody who inspired you to pick yeah, up the instrument. That's amazing, really man. Really cool. So how did you how did you manage? Did you do you first? You play any other instruments besides those besides those um, two? I do. We have a piano at the house. And I play piano, um, not not anywhere near as, as well as Bill. But Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Or do you do you do the like hunt and peck sort of thing with your fingers? No, I do like index finger finger Yeah, that, yep. uh, that's more than a lot of people can do. <laughs> yeah, it kind of oh. like it transfers well from the saxophone to the piano just because you're doing this on the saxophone too. Maybe I should learn saxophone. I've always wanted to learn saxophone. You should do it, man. Sexiest instrument. Like, hands <laughs> yeah. down. Bill Clinton, Bill, whenever Bill Clinton like played it, like, he was, I was like, damn. Swoon. That guy fucks. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he, he does. He did. But anyway. But yeah, um, so you play piano. That's pretty cool. I like try to, um, if there's a, a tune that I like that's a even if it's not a piano like driven tune, I'll try and learn it on the piano just to like to play and like sing it and stuff. Um, and then guitar, I know basic kind of chord stuff like campfire chord stuff on the guitar. Yeah. Um, and I think it's flute a little bit. Barely can play the flute, but 
I so, got one because I'm like, all saxophone players usually play the flute, so let me try really? it. Really? Is it the same like fingering and everything? Uh, it's similar, but it's, it's it's funny when I first got it. I was playing it, and I asked one of my friends who who plays flute, and I was like, "Where's the octave key on this thing?" They don't have an octave key. She was like, "Right here." <laughs> change the velocity of your breath uh, oh wow change octaves it's, yeah i've got a million wild. questions just about like how the saxophone works and everything like that mm-hmm. i was always wondering like how do you get so high like they, it's not like you move your hands but so there's just like you press a button and then it goes another octave yeah yeah oh. there's yeah. an octave there's a key on the back you push with your thumb yeah and there's a hole at the very top of the neck yeah and then when it triggers that it opens that up and that's oh <laughs> interesting yep. i would never would have guessed that so how did, how did you uh, – uh, Billy also – I think he looked it up earlier, but just curious. Uh, mm-hmm. Are there left-handed saxophones? Yeah, uh, I was wondering about that. But the yeah. answer was like no. I, yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think but so. I, it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. I it, thought that was, was a good wondering. question. That, but it's, a, it's a funny question, but it's actually no, not I, a I bad one. I didn't know funny. the answer to it. it I was just wondering. <laughs> when you see uh, – if you see like some really cheap like tchotchke like sculptures and stuff of saxophone players, there's left-hand saxophones on those sometimes. Really? What? What, what are you talking about? Because their hands are like their hands are supposed to be like that. Oh, oh but then their hands are like backwards. So wait, it's 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 right. <laughs> uh, r- yeah, right, right hand right up, up top. top, left hands on the bottom. Right hands up top. Mm-hmm. Wait, that's your left hand. Yeah, left hands on top. <laughs> that was for the viewers at home. Got it. For the viewers at home. <laughs> <laughs> What's the what did you guys put in this? Yeah, huh? <laughs> it's just water, bud. Billy's got, yeah, it's just water. Yeah, yeah. Billy's got a weird concoction <laughs> to make people before they get here. No, people yeah. always tell us they can't remember what happened the next I day. I stepped I outside for one second. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> well. So I'm actually curious because, um, or how how you learn how to play multiple in- instruments around the same time. Did you like consciously sit down and make time to practice each one, or was it just like? I'm going to really take saxophone seriously and I'm just going to fuck around with the drums until something else comes of it. Pretty much that. Like, so when I got into uh, middle school, like I did saxophone a little bit in like elementary school. Cause it was, we, in elementary school, I don't know if you guys did the same thing, but like they give you a recorder. Yeah. Like they're great to play. I yeah. still do high cross buns. Yeah. See, <laughs> it's great. So the fingerings for the recorder are very similar to the saxophone. Really? Yeah. So just stuck with it. Man. We were doing Damn. this like recorder, uh, presentation or something like for the for our families and like a fifth grade kind of show yeah and i was like well i have a saxophone and like i can kind of play it and they're like well, why don't you just play it on the saxophone it's different keys so the piano player to modulate the key yeah to where i was but because i was like i like i just know it on the recorder like <laughs> so we played that and then when i got into middle school it was i wanted to do saxophone and so drums was kind of a on the back burner sort of deal but they're still always always kind of around the house somehow so I'd still, I wouldn't like shed on the drums and practice them. I just kind of, every now and then I'd go and just beat on them. If my brother was there, we'd like jam a little bit on stuff. And just kind of, that's pretty much how I learned to do drums. That's that's wild to me, considering <laughs> that you play with Tom Bennett, who we'll get yeah. into. We'll get into that later. Very proud Rocky. That's, yeah, that's like, that's wild to me. <laughs> not hard. Um, or not easy, sorry. <laughs> uh, so uh, I, I, I wanted to ask you as well, did you kind of well you when you first started like you know getting into bands and stuff were you like always part of a creative project or were you just kind of hired at first to like play with everybody that you possibly could um yeah so starting out um i kind of started going to the some of the jam nights like around town when i was still in high school um we'd go and sit in with groups there's a there's a tenor saxophone player 
that was in high school band with me named David Johnson. He actually plays in the uh, the hip hip abduction from Tampa. Uh, that's why yeah, I named sounds familiar. Yeah, okay. he's a tenor saxophone player for those guys. But um, he would he would he was older than me, so he was like, "Hey, I'm gonna come pick you up. We're going to jam somewhere." Nice. <laughs> and my parents were like, "Cool." We go out, and that's kind of where we cut our teeth um, in the in the music scene. And you know, when you're in high school, at least at least. When I was in high school, like pretty much, you know, like blue scales, and that's kind of what we go out and just like do that, and um, it, you know, it works for in most instances for that kind of stuff. <clears throat> but then, the more you do that, say you accidentally start adding some notes here and there. You know, yeah. Like, oh, these notes kind of work too, and they sound kind of cool. And then the more that starts happening, the more you start building like a scale knowledge and like, well, how is this working together? And you want to go explore modes and stuff. Um, but it's just starting out jam jam stuff and then when we started doing projects the, the first project that played in that was playing out was a um the thunder and lightning blues band which was <clears throat> there's the the kind of shtick for that was like it was all young guys like they're younger than me when i joined wow. um they're playing blues yeah like straight like ahead 16 17 you're like they go to memphis like to blues competitions and oh, stuff nice. and like, like the ibc and yeah. all that yeah. so grant grant nielsen was in that um Another guy, Ryan Slate, was in that. He's he's not in town anymore. <clears throat> and Seth Kotler and uh, Tommy Starnes, both of those guys are. Um, Seth's not in town. I think Tommy's still in town. But just playing, joining with those guys, that was kind of like the first um, band that would travel and like play out stuff that I was in. And that was a mix of covers and originals. Okay. And I didn't. But when I got in there, they had a lot of originals already written. Um, and I, we wrote some stuff together towards the end of it. Because uh, I would play sax and I had a keyboard set up as well, so I'd like comp on the keys and stuff. So I'd like write some stuff on the keyboard and bring it in to practice and be like, check this out. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Start, you know, how the songwriting process goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, what was it like at that time trying to break into the jack scene? Um, I, I was so young at that point. I was very, I was very naive to it. And I wasn't doing like any of the booking stuff. I was just kind of there. Um, from that project was another band that formed called Magilla and I actually moved to drums and we kept the rest of the band members okay and that was more of like a rock like kind of slight like psychedelic jam type thing nice and kind of getting into the scene there it was it wasn't too difficult because uh, most of the venues and and people around town knew Thunder Lightning and it was almost all the same members so we whoever's booking would call and say hey like here's this new project we're in can we play like we'd call Freebird Live and be like, "Hey, can we come play a show?" And like, "Yeah, come on." <laughs> right, right. We, we know you guys. Like, come on. Right. So we played a lot of shows there, and it was that was it was cool. It was yeah. that's kind of the the first one of the first bands I like was playing drums in to like gig out. I see. Mm-hmm. And were you guys doing like 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 the full nights, like three four hour nights, or uh, were you just kind of doing like showcases and that kind of thing? It was a mix. Like since we had we had a lot of songs in the in the catalog just from like the blue stuff. Yeah. That we could pull from if we needed to. Um, we we could do, we would do longer nights sometimes, but mostly we try and focus on like showcase gigs, like forty five minute hour sets, um, and mostly all original stuff, like if we could. Right. So. The longer ones, you sprinkle in some. You guys know you sprinkle in some of the covers. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, now, when when I first met you a few years back, now um, you, it we had talked about 
that kind of situation, like the original bands versus cover bands. Mm-hmm. And it, I think you had said you, you, you made a conscious decision to stop doing those bar gigs yeah. and just really only focus on creative projects. Yep. Uh, why did you decide to start, start doing that? Um, it just got, because I enjoy music so much um, that I felt doing the cover gigs like multiple times per week it kind of loses it loses the mat to me it like lost the magic a little bit yeah of it. and I've, i applaud like the guys that go out and that's that's their job and they go do it like four or five nights a week because it's hard man it's like really hard it's a grind yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's for sure so it's like props to you guys that do that um but i was like if i don't have to do that like i'd rather not do it and it's fun every now and then to do like a three or four hour show where you get to like bust out some crazy songs you haven't played in a couple of years but if you're busting out songs that you haven't played in a while but you're playing them five nights in a row <laughs> to a mixed uh, amount of people in the crowd it's like, weird man I, I, full crowd no crowd yeah it's, it's a grind like you said man especially because people don't care really yeah. about which i mean they 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 really <laughs> don't care about you as a musician right they just want to hear the songs that they've heard a million times yeah, yeah. you know billy loves it though i do yeah. that's what i was gonna say is it's like it's been how many how long have i been playing covers with y'all three years uh, with, yeah. with us i'm sorry yeah. <laughs> with y'all i'm in the band now but yeah <laughs> I, I, every single time like every single show i'm just like this is amazing yeah every single time I, like I, I don't lo- know why i just i just like playing for people that's the end of it i <laughs> love the performance <laughs> aspect of it yeah it got a, it got like a little bit like once like when our first son was born, it was kind of like, if you go to a, if you go to a, a long gig like a cover gig and there's nobody there, and you're getting home at like three in the morning, you've been yeah. away from your family for like eight hours, yeah. and you get fifty bucks. It kind of just like, eh. Not it was kind of fun, but eh. Yeah, not worth. If it. you got a killer crowd and like people are partying with you, and it's it's a blast. That's true. That always makes it better. I'm not gonna, you know, not say <laughs> that. Yeah, it does make it better. Of course, <laughs> even the cover gig is like those. Those always end up feeling there's there's a level of fulfillment there, knowing that you entertained a crowd. Because I mean, that's part of the yeah. enjoyment of of. But performing, I always right? like though about the cover gigs that we play is like you're gonna be there and Sean's gonna be there and Aaron's gonna be there yeah. and everything. Like, that's just fun. I'll yeah. just I'll just hang out with the boys like yeah. whatever right. for four hours. But like. Going to like yeah, I can imagine like sitting in with like hey, we need you for this, and then right. just being like this is stupid, and then like you get a break, and I'm like I guess I'm on my phone for 15 minutes. Yeah, yep. I don't know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's my issue with the solo gigs, man. Well, yeah, of those course, are, yeah, those are so boring. Solo, solo gigs are pretty boring too. <laughs> it's like you're playing there by yourself. Like I don't mind playing by myself. I can entertain myself playing, or and like you know people may or may not enjoy it when I do it, and the paycheck at the end of the night is fine, mm-hmm. but like just the breaks in between yeah. and I end up drinking I'm just like because I'm just bored I'm just going to get a drink and talk to the bartender if they want to talk to me sometimes they, do, they don't want to give you the time of day you just and you're so okay so just sit here and scroll through Facebook again yeah. or Instagram again so you know it's fun like anytime like we tried in the original groups that I'm in and was in we'd always it's fun to do covers in those two um, we try to d- pick a different one for like if we're doing shows kind of close to back to back we try and pick a different one for like every show or like pick a different couple ones for every show just to kind of keep it interesting for the audience right um but and it's always fun too to take a one of those songs and kind of like 
do something different with it or do like your own kind of thing For to sure, it. For sure, yeah, you man. Know, we don't we don't play anything that is exactly by the books at all. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Close. Yeah, and that's that's what's so fun about it. They're, like every single song, we're like, we're gonna jam it. Yeah, we're gonna yep. jam it <laughs> somewhere else and see what we happens. We might we might probably play like not only like twenty songs a night, twenty to thirty, and we're playing for four hours. Yeah, because we're just jamming on half the shit. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. There's been a couple times at a, a cover gig that's we've basically we've played to at the end of the night not a single person in the in the room yeah not, not even the staff <laughs> really like, it's like 12 30 12 45 at night <laughs> it's like we're playing something and we're like i still think though like can we stop like what's what? yeah no i've yeah i've definitely <laughs> felt that before for sure one one I, I don't know if i'd rather play to a dead room or to like a lot of people that do not give a shit that you're even yeah. existing. Yeah, yeah, that, they both kind of suck. Because we would play, we would play Roadhouse all the time, and not trying to shit on Roadhouse and like you know keep paying us, please. But the uh, <laughs> the the venue itself, like no, like we would just play, and there'd be like 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 thirty people there, and they'd just be like, what is mm-hmm. this? Like it looked like we were the animatronic Chuck E. Cheese set. <laughs> yeah, totally. Nobody gave a shit. Totally. <laughs> Uh, my my uh, my favorite that hurt more. We actually played at a at a whenever we playing A one A Ale Works down in St Augustine. That was like our like our residency spot almost. Yeah. Um, they liked us there. Yeah, they loved us there, and they had like a like a really belligerent belligerently drunk wedding party come in at the end of the night, <laughs> and they were like, it was like literally. <laughs> And like two hours before they shut down, we're like, okay, we need you guys to literally just start playing ballads. Yeah. So these people will leave and so we, we can shut down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, cool. Room, room cleaners. Here's, yeah. the, here's the eruption. Yeah, here's <laughs> Speaking of, oh, rest no. in peace, Eddie yep. Van Halen. That was a, we'll, get, we'll, we'll drink, drink to the to big man. R.I.P. Cheers to that. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough loss for the, for, for the rock community. I mean, just for the guitar. I mean, the music world in general, yeah. that was a big one for sure. Yeah. There's, um, um, it's funny, like, when you mentioned, like, the wedding party, there's a venue, um, up in Savannah that we play. I play with Parker Urban Band and with Tom as well, <coughs> Barrel House. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Played played there there so it's cool. Like, you guys probably have the similar experience. <clears throat> in a city like Savannah, like, most people are only there for either the night or maybe for, like, at max, like, two days. So they're trying to see everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's just, I call it, like, the, it's like a revolving crowd. Yeah. yeah, for sure. It's like sure. you'll start your set, and there's like a crowd in there partying. And then after a song or two, like they're moving in, like a big group moves out, another big group moves in, yep. they're partying. Big time. <laughs> big time. I mean, that's kind of exactly how St. Augustine is, too. Yeah. But, uh, and then you'll you'll always see like four bachelorette parties. And then at the <laughs> end of the night, the wedding, yeah. Uh, yeah. the bride and groom show up. Yeah. <laughs> Very <know>. weird. <laughs> so we, that, we had one, one the Australian tip, wedding. Yeah, the Australian that was wedding. Hilarious. And we played the land down under. Oh yeah, and he was like. He tipped us. How much did he give us? Like like eighty bucks. Eighty or something. bucks. He's like, just keep playing it. Yeah, we literally played it like two or three times in a row because oh they, they just kept wanting to hear. It. I was uh, like, okay, it's, it's like, like, why, st- like I, th- I figured you're from Australia. Why would you want to hear that song? Doesn't that make you mad? Yeah, that's like the only thing that we know about it's Australia. Like, no man, I'm jamming. They're hammered. They didn't give a shit at all. Uh, anyways. Um, <laughs> I wanted to uh, <laughs> move on to uh, to Fusebox Funk because yeah. yeah. that was uh, a band. I never got to see you guys. It was you guys weren't doing much by the time I moved here. Mm-hmm. But what was that experience like? That was that was a really great experience. Um, so that that band kind of formed as a side project of Megillah, okay. band I was playing drums in. So my brother was living in a house at the time, and he had this like awesome jam room in the back of his house like separate it was like a shed almost it was like all um 
soundproofed and everything and so we would we would go over there and like we would jam like once a week and then i met our trombone player jim at unf and i was like hey man you want to come like out and jam one night and then grant came out and then we had our bassist and drummer and the fuse box kind of formed from that that's awesome and not not really kind of we had made like couple originals when we played the first gig i think one of our first gigs was at a we played at paradise alley which is a place down at the beach that's gone out it's where um what's the big like seafood two-story like seafood restaurant oh, hey buddy chasers hey, hey break it to you. uh are you talking about jamrock is it jamrock well it, before that it was uh it was jam yeah no it was like right across the street from freebird <clears throat> no. no oh no i'm sorry sea chasers yeah sea chasers sea chasers yeah. it's where sea chasers is now there was a big uh <laughs> it was just like a big open area oh, are we talking about the uh the blues cafe yeah yeah the same on place street. That. yep same on, place yeah, yeah, yeah. or ninth avenue sorry uh uh but yeah yeah i, I played there before <laughs> that place we, yeah we, well so we didn't we didn't when we played there it wasn't that they had a stage outside and you had to bring all your own pa and stuff really and they booked us i think it was like a fourth of july show and they booked us for like six hours oh my and god and we didn't have any songs wow <laughs> just like how'd you all how right you, how do you sell yourself go. without having a song that's crazy. I don't know. It just happened. So we <laughs> showed up and played, and that was it. <laughs> wow. But from from that, it was we started growing and writing, and we put out uh, two full albums and a EP with Fusebox, um, and had like a ten year anniversary show. And shortly after that, um, there's been member changes all throughout that yeah. whole time too. And then it got to the point where. Uh, the trombone player and myself are like the last two remaining original members of Fusebox Monk, which is when we decided we're going to rebrand and change the name and the top Got, shelf people. Gotcha, gotcha. But Fusebox is great, man. We traveled like all over the Southeast playing shows. Um, great panhandle like Mobo Alabama runs. Tons of great members we did. Um, we got to play with the symphony, the Jacksonville Symphony. Yeah, Anton um, was telling me about that. What do you yeah. mean? Because yeah, I was like, how do you play with the symphony? It was cool, man. Um, we're we were friends or still are friends with the um the concert master at the time was philip pan uh incredible violinist and they were doing this thing called they decided this thing called the plugged in series and they would take a local band and kind of like chart out their songs for symphony okay i heard about what? this yeah. yeah for free yeah <laughs> they did it with tom bennett too right are you serious um, they, years that back. ju that um the percussion instructor yeah did one i actually didn't get to play that show because i was i was out of town oh no yeah but I would start crying. Aaron, Aaron, somebody Aaron played that. that show with him. Aaron played that yep. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so. That was it was really amazing. cool, man. It's they. There's a student from Ju. Mm-hmm. Uh, took his four or five of our songs and charted them out for a symphony. And we showed up the day of the show. Got to run the songs like one time with the, with the full group, and then it was like showtime after that. Wow, that must have been a little nerve wracking. It, it was wild, man. It was so cool. So. <laughs> Oh, go ahead. I was just just those those cats in the symphony though, like they they can reach sheet music like a robot. Yeah, oh, yeah. So they're yeah. fine. I mean these you got these songs too aren't like I mean it's not like we're giving them like a snarky puppy chart. Like, yeah, right. right. No, that's, that's, that's like true <laughs> too, I that's actually kind of what I wanted to ask you about because uh, because if it's anything like 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 top shelf people, you guys were like a hip hop, funk, yeah. jazz kind of mm-hmm. uh, genre. So uh, was did that. First off, before we get, even get to that, what was your role in Fusebox, and were were you like kind of writing tunes or just playing sax? Um, both. Like so, 
we did kind of what I do it what I did it in Top Shelf People or what I do in Top Shelf People sax and vocals. Okay. Um, and it didn't really start out with hip hop. It was more almost all like instrumental stuff in the beginning. Okay. <clears throat> and so we started integrating like vocals into it a bit more. And Grant Grant and myself and the trombonist Jim were the three vocalists. Okay. Like hip hop stuff. So once we started doing vocals, that's like we were tasked with doing that. And I was like, this is great. I, listen, I love hip hop. I've been listening to <laughs> hip hop my whole life. Okay. So you actually have been like you, you grew up listening to hip hop yeah. and stuff. So you actually kind of, yeah. So you've been influenced by the whole genre oh, yeah. then. Okay. Yep. Cool. So I was like, this is great, man. I'm glad it's, this is going in this direction. This is in the wheelhouse. Like I'm into this. <clears throat> and we write, we'd somewhat writing process like somebody would come into the room with a riff or an idea and we kind of beat it around a little bit and play it and after about five or ten minutes we have like the structure of a song and then we either keep going with it or we move on to something else and hit it again next week and the kind of the rule of thumb was like if we can come in the room next week and like remember it like it was a good idea like if it was if i if i make a horn line and i'm like what was i playing like i can't i was like it's guy. done. Yeah, it's not that's good. interesting. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of the writing process, and we'd all just kind of collaborate. And, and vocally, for, like, writing verses and lyrics and stuff, we'd all do it. But for the most part, we'd all do it separately. We'd bring what we'd wrote into the room the next practice. And then there's a couple instances if we're doing, like, a group vocal or something like that, we would do uh, write it together. Okay. Same, like, write it together. Would you guys ever, like, tailor your verses to kind of, like, to match yeah. each other's in a yeah. way, like, at least <laughs> – you know for sure what you're talking about yep um it was it was more so in top shelf people um me and uh we'd write the same way like jade jade ash and myself would write verses we'd have a common theme we know what the song was going to be about so we'd be writing about it <clears throat> and then we'd come back to the room and we'd say we'd present our verses and then i'm like dude i really like the way you ended that i'm gonna change i'm gonna change the way i'm gonna start mine it's kind of like tying yours that's cool so, yeah so definitely yeah. like vibe off of what the other person is doing vocally. Yeah. That's always like a cool thing. Like, uh, I'm a, I'm a big fan of like when rappers like trade off. Yeah. So like one verse will just go right into the next rapper's verse and yep. kind of pick up. Like you hear that a lot with like the roots and, yep. and stuff like that, you know, Jurassic five. Yeah. Yeah. For mm -hmm. sure. For sure. All mm -hmm. those old school hip hop, I mean, far side yep. and like yeah. all that stuff. Wu -Tang also. Did it Plus, like nonstop. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's all they did. Yeah. <laughs> that was like the kind of, that was their stick. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a tribe called Quest. I mean, all that early hip hop stuff, man. Yep. It's like I, I'm like super influenced by that oh, yeah. genre as well. So <clears throat> I've always wanted to be in like a group like that. I've just never had like the, you know, right right components to do it. You know, I feel you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's some awesome groups in Florida. Like two of my favorites are in Florida. Um, back down where where you're from, Artificial. Yep. I was, was actually going to bring them up. Yeah, phenomenal. I remember them. Yeah, yep. the guys are incredible. Yep. Um, and then it, from Orlando area, uh, Soliloquist of Sound. I don't know if you've heard I've of those heard guys. I've heard them before, I feel like. <clears throat> yeah, I definitely heard of that band name, too. Yeah. Those guys are just... I mean, like, that's, that's one of the albums, like, you'll listen to their albums and it just kind of make you... It'll either make you want to, like, quit making music. Uh, no. <laughs> or it'll make you want to be, like, inspire you to be, like, I got to get better. <laughs> yeah, I feel Because they're, they're great, man. They get a phenomenal uh, husband and wife duo. The husband's a vocalist and the wife's a... Uh, husband's a rapper and the vo uh, wife's a vocalist just like incredible voice she just cool like jazz run harmonizes herself like that's sick it's wild dude very cool yeah um so 
as far as like touring and stuff with uh, with Fusebox, you guys were self managed and self booked. Did you handle a lot of that stuff yourself? Or? Um, so when Grant was in the band, um, we would kind of tag team that, and he would he would kind of reach out and get the bookings. <clears throat> we clear it with everybody, the date and everything, and then I was tasked with like logistics, like okay, how we get in there, like where we sleeping, like what, like all that kind of stuff. So it was a good. It was a good team because, like, one person doing all that is, is sucks. It's a little cumbersome, yeah, <laughs> it sucks. for sure. <laughs> um, but he was he was really good with that as far as networking and stuff like that in, in different areas of the state, in different areas of the southeast. So, hey, I met this guy at so-and-so, and he's got a band in this area, and, like, he wants to swap shows. Yeah. Like, oh, cool. Let's go. <laughs> there was a, a one conversation that we had uh, a while back ago also, and I stole – you probably you know what I'm talking about. I'd love for you to tell that story on here because that's a great uh, angle. If you're trying to book your band, this is a really good thing to try and do. So, um, I really wanted to get into Fusebox in the Mojo Kitchen down at the beach. Yeah. And great venue. I, I saw. I can't remember what show I saw there, but I was like, it's very unassuming from the outside because you're like, oh, this is a restaurant. Yep. And then you go in there for a show setting got a big stage they got lights the, the sound engineer is great and i was like this is this venue is awesome man like i want to book a show in here i got a ton of family and stuff at the beach like we could pack this place out <clears throat> and so i'm start sending the booking agent emails I'm like hey like here's our band you know i see like the legendary jc's play here like we play with them in orlando a bunch um we play with them in jacksonville like i think we'd be a good fit for this and like just like radio silence like goes on for like a couple months mm. And I'm just, I'm just, like, at the point where I was, like, I don't know how else to, like, ask you to, like, book our band in here. So <laughs> I sent an email. I was, like, all right, here's ten reasons why we should play your venue. And I sent a reason every day. <laughs> like, an email every day. And then when I got down in the very end, I think the the second to last email was some kind of, like, I started getting kind of, like, snarky with it. Yeah. Cause I was like, there's this guy's not reading this email anyway. Like no way. Yeah. Might so as I got, well. Yeah. I got kind of snarky with it. And then he emails me back and he's like, I was kind of waiting to hear the last reason. Then <laughs> 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 so, he shot me his phone number. And we it's, actually have a really good relationship with him now. Um, yeah, so it was, it was cool. It's, we got in a play. We did a bunch of like sold out shows there. It was just is a great venue. We had really enjoyed it. Sometimes you got to be creative. Nobody, no venue <laughs> owner is just gonna but be like, you, oh, it's just the same <laughs> thing over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah totally. So. Then you did the same thing though with a, a venue, right? Well, yeah, with Dunedin Brewery. Oh, what'd you I, do? I, I did. I, this is when it was still Anton Laplume band. I think you may have just joined the band. Yeah, I, and then I hit up Mike, and he's like, yeah, we're in. That's not what happened at That's all. Exactly what happened. Uh, <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, so, so I know you know who I am? Yeah. yeah. No, Bill he Bell. knows who I am. We're friends. Yeah, I know. That's. You're not the reason why we got booked there. I'll explain this why we got booked there. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I did this. You told me about that, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna try that at some venue someday. <laughs> what do you got to lose? Like, <laughs> yeah. So I started, and like, and and Mike is a is a great dude, and yeah. Denise is a phenomenal place. He's out there but too, he's busy. Man. You know, yeah, he's busy, and, and and like most uh, talent buyers, like they don't always respond to shit. So you gotta get on them. So I was, I'm gonna try Chris's idea. I started doing top ten, re- or you know. Uh, 10 reasons why you should hire the Anton LaPlume band. God, I would love to read this. And <laughs> it was like reason number one. I went through all of them. I think by number eight, he comes back to me. He's like, like laugh out loud. This is fucking great, yeah. man. Uh, what date do you guys want? 
was like, awesome. All right. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a good little, little idea. It's just, yeah, it's getting creative in general with it. You know, yeah. it's like these, these, these people read so much stuff on a regular basis that it's like, it, you just have to, you have to stand out a little mm-hmm. bit, you know. That's, if you're sending out like, if you're at the point two where you're sending out like press packs and stuff to uh, like potential agents or like venues yeah. and stuff like that, it's got to be the same thing. You got to, it can't just be in like a manila folder with like a sticker on it or something. It's got to be something kind of crazy. Cause Glitter everywhere. There's a pile of these things on these people's desks. Oh, right, <laughs> right. No, for sure, man. For sure. It's annoying too because I, w- I would just imagine being in their shoes and you're just getting like the same exact thing over and over again and it's none of it's personable. Right. It's all just like, it's like a, it looks like junk email, honestly. Yeah. But um, do you have time to write a personal email to every single venue owner and everything and follow it up? I mean, that's on you, I guess. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, that's why, that's why when you're first starting out, it's important to get creative with stuff. After a while, hopefully you've established relationships with the venues and they, yeah. just, they just respond to you, sure. you know, mm-hmm. yeah. which still doesn't always work. So, so sometimes <laughs> you have to get on top of them. But well, if you break into like an area and you're doing good in a certain venue, like the other venues might start to at least know who you are when you try, when you reach out to them. Right. Right. Or you've just like established a relationship with that venue. That's just where you play in that yeah. city, you know? Yep. Until you start selling out, you know, shows and you have to move to a bigger venue, you know. Yep. Um, Good so, problem to have. Yeah, right. I'd say. <laughs> Don't know what that problem's like yet, but hopefully one day. Bottom of the bill. Bottom yeah. of the bill. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No. Sometimes not even on it. I don't know what to tell you. Yep. My friend, I forgot to bring this up. She saw the Monster Mash uh, uh, festival and she was like, "Hey, you're like font size is 16 right now." Yeah, I think she said. I, I, <laughs> You know, yeah. you're not fine size 12 anymore. Yeah. We're yep. moving up. Moving on moving up. On Slowly but We're surely. in the middle of the bill now. We're in the yep. middle, middle of the bill. <laughs> Depending on what bill it is. Yeah, but most often than not at the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you guys recorded, uh, you said three albums? Yeah. Like three full-length albums? Yeah, we did two two full-length albums and then okay. one, uh, I think it was six tracks. Okay. Yeah. And what was, uh, uh, what was that process like? So the very first album we did... Um, it was very quick. I think we tracked and mixed and mastered everything in like 17 hours. What? Yeah. Fuck wow. Yeah. For like 10. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not saying that, you know, <laughs> we just ridiculous. we went in and did everything like live and just like we, right. did, we didn't we didn't uh, like beat detective any of it. It was if just it like sounds good. Uh, I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to find I don't even know if it's on like uh, stores and stuff anymore. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, it's on Spotify or anything? Uh, the old stuff, I don't think it's on Spotify. It was on CD Baby for a while. I don't think it's <gasps> Put that shit out there. It might be oh, on archive.org. <laughs> really? Okay, cool. If I find it, I'll send you a link to it. Seventeen hours. Yeah. That pisses me off. <laughs> no, that's what I said. That <laughs> well, yeah. it was. Um, we worked with uh, Paul Lipinski and Daryl Dar- Finninger. Okay. And that's when Daryl was like first starting like out in the engineering recording world okay but he was like just fast as shit even at a young age like like we had to do some overdub stuff and i'll be like tracking i'd be like a horn line and i'll like mess something up and i'll be like hey man can we he's like right here <laughs> oh yeah even if he's Yo. fast is the band though yeah, like, the that's band, why i'm yeah. just mad at you like i i well, well we, I take a long time. He takes forever. Oh, guitars yeah. take guitars take forever. Yeah, I don't know. I know. And the deal is at the end that. of the at the end of the day, perfect. Like the horn, like the horns usually get the shaft of it because like 
we're, they, they put us at the very end, yeah, that's and we're after the guitar. Too. Yeah, It's like the accoutrement. Yeah. <laughs> we're like parsley to yeah. So, like, we've been hanging out in the studio all day, and then we've been, like, warming up. Like, oh, guitar's not going to take too long. Let's start warming up. Yeah. Like, six hours later, it's like, all right, you ready for horns? Like, like drinking in the studio all day. Last time, he, he took, like, <laughs> uh, three days straight to do it, and then, like, the last six hours, uh, the last day, I'm like, you ready to go? Like, yeah, <laughs> man. Well, I'm ready. Here's what I'll say with guitars is that we have to find the right tone on our oh, amplifiers. Christ, we don't okay. just get to go in there, plug in, and play. Okay? <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm not saying that, that, that every instrument does have to do that to some extent, but it's like, and for every single tune, we might have a different thing that we're going yeah, for. And we have to sit there and really dial it in. And then on top of that, you know, it's like, it's, uh, I, I like to make sure that everything is like, Right there, yeah, yeah. I'm like I'm a douchebag. It's like oh, uh, the bass and the, uh, the the bass and the kick drum were off by like a by like that, yeah, and that I need to be I need to be like you know right on and that that because that that will fuck me up. So it's like I don't know, and then and then you know it's just like it takes me a while to get shit done. I'm yeah. a perfectionist. I don't know well, what to tell you. So that so that for that first album, we were still pretty like young into it, and that was a lot of our like first venture into the studio, and we'd only done live stuff. So we're kind of just like, let's just play our songs how, we, how we'd play them at a show. Yeah. Bust through them. And we get done with the song after a couple of takes. Like, that was great. All right. Maybe like one or two little like bass or, or guitar overdubs. <clears throat> go on to the next song. Like, and then we'll like go that. like lay horns and vocals on over at, at the end. Mix it down. We weren't, we weren't very picky at that point. The second album took a lot longer. We tried to put some more production into it. Yeah. And, and we got more like stuff that was like swaying time-wise a little bit we wanted to make time to lock that in a little bit better so all that stuff takes tons of time oh yeah so yep. we like that one took a lot longer and then the third one that we did was a breeze it was, it was nice because <laughs> you guys had already been through it before yeah. you knew what to expect well too like so we had um different different players in the lineup as well who were a bit more studio seasoned okay at that point too so it was um so like the drummer for the EP, Jeff Bird, he's just like rocks out. He's like one or two takes and he's done. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a great take and it's just got some cool stuff in it. It's, it's hard to, especially in, I don't track drums a lot. I do it with Tom. Um, but tracking drums, it's like, all right, I want to get a solid take, but I want to get some cool like performance stuff in here too. But I don't want to like move off the click when I'm doing that. It's like a million things are going in your mind. Um, it, and Jeff would just go in there and just be like, <laughs> that's like, all right. That's the thing, man. Is that Done. people? People? I don't think people fully grasp, and there's really no way to grasp uh, what it, like what those differences are. Being a studio musician versus being a performing musician. Right. There, the performances are so momentary and fleeing yep. that every mistake it can can easily be uh, forgiven, yeah. or forgotten, and forgiven, forgot. whatever. But it's like when you're in the studio. There's no forgiving that. There's no yeah. forgetting it. It's, it's permanent. Permanent. It's there forever. forever. Yep. And like that shit gets in your head when you're recording. <laughs> number one and number two, like the level of perfection that you have to be at is it's not human. Yeah. It's just it's literally not human. Yeah. So it's like you have to you have to, to go in there and, and knock something out like on the first or second yeah. try, especially as a drummer or a bass Before player. You get into your head. Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> mm -hmm. it's that's wild, man. Like uh, we had Al Richard on last week. And yeah, he was talking about Victor Wooten. Yeah, it was a great episode. Thank you. That was a fun man. He's he's a, he was a great yeah. he was a great <laughs> guest. 
uh, and he was talking about uh, Victor Victor Wooten coming in. Yep. And I was like, well, so what was that recording experience like? He was like, I don't know, man. He came in and nailed it in one take and was out. <laughs> I was like, are you fucking kidding He's me? Gone. Yeah. yeah. He was like, dude, just walked in and just nailed it. What did you Victor Wooten? I know. It's just like you want to hear some human aspect to that like, guy. He never heard the song before. He was like, what key is it? Yeah. Got no, it. yeah, that's baby time frolics for him, man. Was like, yeah, I, I knew that was probably gonna be the case. It's like, it took five minutes. He was like, if you don't like it, I'll see you later. Yeah, I'll take, I'll take that in cash, please, yeah. and then I'm out. Yeah, I'm out. See you later. <laughs> Hopping on the bus and riding out to the next to the next gig. It's wild, man. Uh, so, did you guys do any uh, marketing or promo stuff when you released the records? Um, somewhat. Like, just at that point, like social media was kind of on a roll okay so we were like we'd blast on social media and then we send out press packs to we're trying to get at, at that point we we're trying to get some representation for like booking agent and stuff like that mm-hmm. and like maybe some label label consideration so we were packaging the albums and sending them out to any kind of label we thought would be a good fit and then like we later on in Fusebox, we got an offer from a label out in um arizona uh and it's after reading through the deal, we we're kind of like, nah. boy, that deal like, looked like. If you yeah. don't mind me asking, well, a desert deal, like a desert, a desert <laughs> deal, a desert deal. The person who was trying to give us a deal did not like it that we rejected the deal. Mm. <laughs> but well, yeah, it was, it, I mean, it was like a three. It was somewhat of a three sixty deal. So, so it was, they give you management booking and they yep. give you like the fund the record and everything. But they want like they want to own all it, your shit. Exactly. Yeah. They want that <laughs> and they want percentages of everything you do, like live show wise. Oh like, no. And all that stuff. Yeah. So anyone that I know who's kind of quote unquote like made it in the music industry, um, if they go if they go about it where they just like if they get picked up by a big label and there's like like shot out the door. <clears throat> the debt that accrues and the quickness that that debt accrues yeah. for those guys is like incredible. It's like mind boggling. I, I, I remember uh, I had a friend of mine that was a drummer and he was like an indie rock band. They like toured worldwide, yeah. like in Japan and everything like that. And he had uh, to quit um, because if he stayed in the band or if he tried to be back in the band, he would owe, he would owe them like 50 grand. Exactly. So personally? Like, yes, personally. Wow. <clears throat> so be careful what you read, yeah. read the contract. Yeah. yeah. So you might get like a somewhat of a sweet signing bonus. Yeah. But then it's like, all right, well, here's how much your tour is going to cost. And then here's how much the video is going to cost and your yeah. album. And then you're going to tour until that's like almost paid off. And then when it's almost paid off, here's another album you got to put out. Here's how much that's going to cost. Right. So that it's kind of like, at least with the larger ones from my, from what my friends say from their personal experience, it's kind of like a keep you in a state of perpetual debt. Yeah, <laughs> as an artist. Well, especially especially <laughs> those signing bonuses. That's all on debt. Also, they don't just give that money mm-hmm. to you. You got to pay that back. Yeah. And then, and you know, records don't sell like they were, which is why they're they're also taking portions of the live shows. Because mm-hmm. back in the day, it was like, well, you know, you sign. Let's say even even for like a smaller label, you signed, I don't know, two hundred thousand dollar contract for one rec or for two records or something, right? right? And then. Chances are, if you if you if you sold if you if, if you released a record and it did well, you could pay back that debt and then renegotiate your second right, record. Yeah, yeah. But it's like nowadays, like you're not you're not selling records and nope. streaming. Damn sure isn't paying that debt back. No, no. So it's, it's live shows. Like that's the live shows, kind of the merchandise. Only way to do it. Yeah, merchandise at the live shows. And that's why we're all broke now because of the <laughs> coronavirus. Well, do it like 
any advice would be to do it independently for like as long as you can. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, and that way you're in control of everything. Like you know about Wolfpack, right? Yeah. Like they they booked Madison Square Garden on their own with no yeah. representation. Yeah, that <laughs> shit's amazing. Pretty sure they sold it out too. Yeah, they sold it out. That's. Yeah. It's, it's fucking wild. It's so yeah. cool. Like so, the There's way the internet is now, and like how things can go viral and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like we, like we didn't have that when we were coming up in the music scene. Sure. And like we could, you could do some like really cool shit when you're like younger. But like, there's no way to get it out to everybody, right? And that's where the kind of record companies had had like a hold of you. They were the gatekeepers, yep. you know. Now it's like no gatekeepers. Put it on YouTube or Facebook. And that, that's what was the whole point of this podcast was to be is to be like, here's how you do it, yeah. or and then just steal everybody's ideas, <laughs> yeah. Because that's what we've uh, basically been doing. Well, because <laughs> we we like, if we, I mean we realistically. Like we don't know how to do it. Like nobody, it, it, we're not there yeah. yet. We know how to do it. It's just we're not. Good. <laughs> well, look at. I mean, you, Taylor Swift could come on here and and tell you that yeah, I know how to, I know how to do this, well, and no, she's lying she, to you she, because yeah, she's lying. She just got she got discovered on MySpace back in well, the day. Well, right. She didn't just make her own. the point is, I think that that most successful bands like Volpec's like the the poster child for it. I don't know any other band that's that's gone that far without representation. Sure. That's I, it. I still don't think that they that they have the equation down. I think that they that they figured out what works for them. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But that doesn't mean that that translates to everybody. Sure. You know, like 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 individual characteristics of the people in the band come into play. Yeah. The kind of music you're doing, your your demographic, like even even like how DJs release music versus versus bands. Right. Yeah. It's all like different. it's it's literally like like Every individual circumstance is different, mm-hmm. so it's hard. Best to co- advice ever is just like figure out a band that's doing what you want to do and just copy them. Yeah, and then try <laughs> and, and, and like, then try to that. improve on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know, try to improve exactly. on it. You know, so yeah, for sure. So you guys basically just did it through so like you, you did it yourself, much, the marketing yeah, like, and everything, all the marketing stuff. Um, we we're very lucky. Grant um, Grant's a very talented graphic artist. Okay. So all of our like album art, any of our promo stuff was like he's like i got this <laughs> i mean what would have cost you know you know if you hire somebody to do it uh, contract wise it's you, know, you guys know it's expensive yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> if you have somebody in the band who does it and it's like none of us is, and is really it. good at it then it's like it's it's a blessing yeah it is yeah um, it cuts down big time on yeah. your overhead mm-hmm. what uh um did you guys see any traction from those records at all uh, a little bit. I mean, like that was before um, Spotify and stuff like that and all that. So there wasn't really. It, it went on. It went out on like iTunes and stuff like that and CD Baby and you know it made like a little bit of money, not a ton of money, um, but and we had uh, every now and then we get somebody from different parts of the world like reaching out like, hey, I found you on as a recommendation on like CD Baby or something. Oh, I love it. Wild. Yeah, like Australia or something. Like we, we've been rocking your CD in Australia. And that's like, cool. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Was there a, did, did you guys end up getting representation at any point? No. No? Okay. Yeah, yeah we kind of, I'm, I'm not going to say like really kind of gave up on that, um, but we were somewhat satisfied with how we were booking and like the shows we were playing, uh, and we were kind of just like, well, we'll just kind of let the universe decide if if an AR agent's going to be at one of our shows one night. <laughs> yeah. Did um was there was there a show or a moment with that band where you felt like this is it guys this is this is our moment like we're we're gonna make <laughs> it this is the night that's gonna happen. Uh, 
Because you guys opened up for some great, I mean, Galactic yeah. oh, and yeah. George Clinton. Obviously, yeah. as we get older and we, we go through more and more of the motions, yeah. we know what those shows actually mean. But it's like when you're kind of younger and these are your first big stepping right, stones, yeah. you're just like, holy shit, we're sharing the stage with who? Exactly. We're making it, guys. This is it. It was, well, kind of like when you when you get those shows, you're beyond excited because these are like your heroes. Yeah. You're like, oh, my God, I get to play. And when you're young, you're like, wow, they're going to be like watching our whole show. They're going to be loving this thing. And when, <laughs> and when you get to the show, nope. they're, they're like, most of the time, they're nowhere to be found. Mm-hmm. Um but that's, You're going that's, back to the hotel after sh- after sound yeah. check. <laughs> but that, I mean, that's fine. They're on the road all the time. It's, yeah. that's, I guess they're chill time. That. It's called a, a big time in. Big time in. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that's my least favorite but thing in the world. There have been some like some of the members of P Funk hung out and like watched our show. Like we opened for we opened for them at Freebird, which is it's phenomenal. They set up their whole like we had to set up in front of their yep. back line. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we had uh, maybe from like the wall to like where we're sitting. Yeah, like set our whole band up in the front of. That's <laughs> the wild. Yeah, Freebird. Free Freebird free with the monitors on the with the monitors on the stage. Yeah, um, we played with. We opened for Oza Motley. Yeah, there I, as well. And those guys, those guys watched us, and they invited me to come up and play on their closer, which is nice. really cool. So Hell I got yeah. to jam with those guys. Um, we opened for Galactic a bunch of times in Mobile. It's a really cool venue called Soul Kitchen. Yeah, I've heard of that place before. Yeah. It's so it's it's awesome, man. It's got and probably one of like the nicest sound guys you ever encounter like in your life. Next to Eric Hoffman, of course. Yeah, no, I mean <laughs> that's that's a pretty high standard to set. This, yeah. this guy, like this guy, could be related to Eric Hoffman. Like yeah. you can you can go into Soul Kitchen and be like, "All right, man, I got like ten marimbas. I need I need six mics on each of them. I, I got like four drummers." I got ten horns, and he's like, "Oh, cool, oh, cool, cool, man, cool, yeah, cool, okay, yeah. cool." Eric could probably tell you to fuck off yeah. at that point, but <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Eric could be like, how am I gonna fit ten drummers on my stage? What is this?" Um, but Soul Kitchen's cool. So there's a room up front that's a smaller, uh, smaller room, maybe holds like a hundred people or so, like that. Yeah, and cool stage, like good sound still. And then you go to the back room, and it used the venue used to be an old Woolworth, like a like a. Um, which is an old school, like a pick and save or something. Or oh, like, yeah. yeah. It's from okay. uh, a brother store. we're out there. Like, Stay yeah. out of Woolworth. Stay out of the Woolworth. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, that's real <laughs> So this southern. place used to, and we used to say that every time we played there. <laughs> say it on stage. Like, Stay out of the Woolworth. Yeah. Uh, but it was, a, it was a Woolworth. So you have this big stage and this huge, like, cavernous audience area with a big bar in the middle. That's cool. Badass venue. And we anytime Galactic would come through there, um, the owners would be like, hey, do you guys want to? come play with them so one of the times we got to play with them there at that point they had lost house man or he wasn't singing with them anymore okay so they were touring on this kind of like hip-hop deal and they had uh, mr liff and charlie tuna from jurassic five playing nice nice so i was like oh my god this is like a dream show for me because like i love jurassic five yeah they're awesome so (laughs) weird they did their sound check and i went and like talked to charlie tuna and i was like hey man if you hear anything like if you hear anything you're liking, like, just feel free to come up and, like, spit over something. And he was like, oh, he's a huge, deep voice. And uh, about, like, three songs into our set, I look over to the where the um, monitor station is, and he's, like, standing over there just, like, jamming. I was like, hey, man, you want to get up on a song? And it was a song on our our last EP with Fusebox that we hadn't had any lyrics for yet, but we had all the music ready for it, and we played that, and he's just, like, 
freestyled over it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. It's amazing. Did you guys ever get him get him to record up with you guys or nah, anything? Yeah. Oh, that was a nah. sick feature. Yeah, he we ended up. Uh, he was like, he was like, hit me up, like the kind of. But you know, that goes just one of those deals. Yeah. We never like really pursued it, and it just it lives on as one of those. There's some pictures of it, but there's no video or like audio recording of it. Yeah. And it's one of those memories. It's just, I mean, it's like sharing the stage with one of your like heroes of music <laughs> yeah for sure man that must have been such an incredible yeah. <laughs> moment yeah and then with galactic playing after you and then he's jamming with them too and you get to hang out with all the hang out with all those guys and all the guys are like very very nice and super cool like humble it's always i haven't really had any bad experiences meeting my musical heroes yeah like we that. just talked about that with al last yeah, week yeah we did uh uh he, he, victor wooden was a breeze but then there was somebody who wouldn't even say their name i was like oh, <laughs> yeah but. i'm not burning that bridge yeah for sure <laughs> i guess so. everybody's everybody's been super cool they're always like we have to take pictures with them and stuff and we totally like fan out on them yeah and they're totally cool with it i gotta um talk with ben Elman, like saxophone shop stuff or and i'm not a gearhead in like any sense but we just talked about like mouthpieces and reeds and stuff yeah yeah I'm sure there's like other stuff to geek out on as a sax player too. Really like the music and like the influences yeah. and that kind of stuff oh, yeah. helps as well. Galactic um, was the last show at Freebird, wasn't it? Second uh, to last. Uh, no, they were the last. I don't think they were the last we, one. I, my band was the second to last. Oh, your band? Okay. Yeah, Lucky Costello. And then yeah. Galactic play free, pl- closed out with Freebird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty funny. Who would have guessed that? Yeah. One, <laughs> one thing that was crazy at the time, I remember a show we played. Do you remember um, at, they did Swanee Fest called Blackwater? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think I played, played that one. I played that one. Did Starkey play that year too, right? Um, God, that was like almost ten years ago now. I don't really remember. Kay. I know, I remember that uh, SDS Nine and the Flaming Lips headline. Yeah, I don't really well, remember. Starkey, Starkey was like yeah. just coming around. That's probably why. I and remember, I definitely didn't go see. Well, them. they put it. They put us on the um, porch stage after Snarky Puppy. Like put fuse box. Yeah, wow. I didn't. I didn't know who they were. And our buddy uh, Matt Grondon, um, who is what, who? Where did I know that name from? Um. He's a phenomenal musician. He's been in a ton of bands. He was owner of the Parlor Studio in New Orleans. Oh um, yeah, guitar okay. player. Yeah, I know um, you're talking about. Yeah, Chelsea went to go record there. But a few he years like ago. he hired those guys to play on his record, so he like knew all of them. Okay. Like, nobody at the, nobody really knew who they were, and I'm like watching this band side stage before we go on. I'm just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so they open up for you, and you're like, okay, we're we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna play right after that. Yeah. yeah. Here's something totally different, and not. At the third, of, not even a third technicality of this. Yeah, geez. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine following Snarky Puppy ever, especially it, Snarky Puppy then before they yeah. got into like that. It's like I almost call them like pop fusion yeah. now, whereas mm-hmm. back then they were probably yeah. a little bit more heady than Just they are now. Jazz, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, it, it was Matt was like, he was like, these guys are amazing. I can play it on my record. I'm like, cool, I can't wait to see them. And then they play. I'm just like, what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's like those All guys right. are like next level <laughs> shit, man. My, uh, Michael League and mm-hmm. I mean everybody in that in just that. Corey Henry, just Corey Henry Corey too. Henry he's not from this. Yeah, he's an alien. <laughs> he's yeah. reptilian. Confirmed. Yeah, he's confirmed <laughs> for sure. Have you ever seen him play piano? Yeah, it looks like he's got twenty fingers. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. Yeah. and he just does it just like I know. Just whatever. That's <laughs> how I feel. When I watch JV and play too. Yeah, this will be like the fifth time I mentioned JV really on the show because he's 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 that. <laughs> He, he's like that annoyingly good. But just like you, just, really you sit there watching with this, this little guy's face, and like his hands are just doing all this crazy mm-hmm. shit, and he's just like not even like thinking about it or anything. I always tell him I'm gonna steal his licks anytime I play with him. I'm like, yeah, all right, I'm watching you do. I'm yeah, for I'm sure. like, I'll pull my camera, I'll pull my phone out, I'm like filming him. Yeah, he's like, dude, yeah, get the fuck, <laughs> get out of here. He, he he said it to me one time. I was like, 
stuff. This is not uh, this is not one of those we're trying to build each other up scenarios. Yeah. I'm being serious. <laughs> I'm trying to take your fucking licks, bro. <laughs> I actually so there was one time where you you and I played with uh it was it was one of those round table improv things. Oh yeah. And uh uh Tom was running that particular session and we did like he went he just Tom used to start off balls of the wall, oh, yeah. just like going on some weird shit. And it was like a Phrygian kind of thing. And I was just like, it took me a minute to try to get into the zone because I don't play in Phrygian ever. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, I remember you went to go take a solo. And I was just like, this motherfucker's not even thinking about it. He's just playing like, and like, like just perfectly, just a well-played solo in Phrygian. I'm just like. <laughs> that's that's stupid. And I was like, do you even think about that? She was like, no, I don't think about it. I'm, no. just, I'm just like, fuck. That's like me with a pentatonic scale. <laughs> you do it with a Phrygian. It's like, fuck. It's kind of, it's kind of like so improv wise. It's all you guys talked about it too before previously on here. It's kind of like with jazz stuff, especially. Um, you kind of like learn it and then you forget it and like let your body kind of do it. Right. Um. Cause I don't, I don't have any kind of memorized like licks or anything. I don't, anytime I go into a solo, I'm sure you guys are the same way. Like you don't know what's, I don't ever know what's going to happen like during a solo. Um, so I just kind of, I have, I know what key I'm in. I know what kind of scales that I could play that'll be the most like listenable. I know what kind of, what kind of notes I could play that might be starting to get a little bit out. And if I get out, I know how, what notes I could use to bring it back in. And that's all I have in my head. And I just go, that's and like fucking whatever awesome. comes out, it's yeah, gonna the come same out. Way. Just turn your brain off and go. Turn yeah. your brain off and go, and your body's just gonna do it. 100%. So when you then when you get someone like Tom who's running the changes <laughs> over it, then it gets a little. Your brain kind of perks up a little bit. You're like, yeah, you gotta really listen so, to Tom because he doesn't like, give a fuck. What like you're this doing. is okay. So we started in this key. Like most of the time, you do like a um, a jam, open mic jam or something where you're in like a one key and you might modulate once in the song. Yeah, and then. That night when Tom ran it, it was just like, dunk, 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 dunk. Yeah. All right, where are we at now? Where Tom's now? taking everywhere, and then <laughs> and it doesn't end. He continues to take. It's like, yeah. It, which is which is what's so it, it's it sound it's it's like it's so fun to play with him like that mm-hmm. because there's it, it really I mean it's work in the sense that you want it to be work. It's yeah. work in like a creative way where you, where you have to constantly be thinking and listening to what's going on. Yep. But it's not work in the sense where, okay, we, we used to finish a tune. What are we doing now, guys? Yeah. There's an audience here, and uh, we're just going to keep this dead space so we all figure <laughs> out. Tom's just like, no, I'm not having that. We're just going to keep this thing going for an hour. Yep. Literally, there was no there was no stopping for an hour. Well, it was awesome. I loved it. It's, uh, yeah. That's, what, that's part of the joy of, like, the live performance to me is, like, when we get to, like, the solo stuff. Cause it's fun to like if you if you pull out like a um, a song that's technically challenging and you like and you nail it and you're like wow I've been practicing this and like I nailed it it's yeah. a great good feeling but then when you get into that solo mode you can kind of turn your brain off a little bit and just like let nature take its course it's definitely kinda, that's the most fun to me yeah definitely that's it's the only time I ever really get nervous is though is when I when I uh, I'm like it's your turn to solo I'm like okay <laughs> and I just take a deep breath and I just do it and then I'm just like you're gonna like it <laughs> that's <laughs> just how do it's it. you're gonna like it yeah. <laughs> And that, that's the way I think of like this is it. Can you guys hear something like in your head before you play it, or is it just? 
it depends hear, like, on what, what you want to do. Depends on what I want. Uh, depends on what I'm trying to do. Like there's like so Eric Krasno from Lettuce has a podcast mm-hmm. called Krasno Plus One, which is phenomenal. Yeah. And he says this almost every single podcast where he's like, my ears definitely work quicker than my hands do. Right. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, there's times where I hear an idea and I can execute it if it's if it's an idea that I've played enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a lot of times where I hear an idea. I'm like, I don't even know what like what I don't even know like how to get to those notes right now. Right. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, I mean, it's like being a Jedi, and you're like thinking like ten <laughs> seconds ahead. Yeah, I can't, I can't really do that. Uh, like, what well, the only th- way I like fall into it? I'm like, oh, that sounded cool. Yeah, you remember how you played that, right? Okay, yeah. play it again. <laughs> yeah, do the same do thing with it. <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, no. If there's the something, that question. <laughs> if there's something, if there's something like I'll hit something in a part of a progression. Yeah. Where I was like, that's cool. Or if I'm playing something else and I hear something else in my head at that part of the progression, I try to remember it. Like the next time that part comes around, I'd be like, let me try like hitting that this time it's weird sure. it's yeah. just sure. it's, it's like uh it's, it's like freestyle rapping or something like that or like you have to it's it's in real time like you can't just like you yeah. know i'm gonna well, play this next you're like no you yeah. don't have time to think no, yeah, yeah. Well, the, you're going i i see that what i what i try to do with it is like i try and create like a bag of tricks you know mm-hmm. so, a trick bag so to speak <laughs> yes a tricky trick bag yeah. tricky trick bag hmm. so it's like interesting i like for me yeah like i don't think like i don't know what i'm gonna play all the time before i play it but i do have like fallback licks that i know how to play yeah and it's like okay so i know this i know this like is gonna be a really good way to resolve this like this ending of this solo or maybe this will be a good way to get into the solo or maybe this will be a good way to kind of do something here and then while i'm doing that stock thing that i have to think about i can think about what i want to do next you know or from having an off night yeah, it's like I'm just I can't I, play. I gotta good go to my fallbacks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just have to fall back on something, and then my souls just aren't that good that night. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that you know, it's like when we're having a conversation, like there's, I know how to put words together in a certain way that makes sense. Right. Yeah. And like there's responses that I have to something that I that that I will often respond in that way. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's like my bag of tricks when I'm yeah, playing guitar. That makes sense. You know, yeah, so. I don't have that at all. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm talking no, about I know. Like, like when I'm talking. Yeah. No, you just say it. You just, <laughs> what it yeah, exactly. Yeah, whatever comes out. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's it's mixed around in there and just whatever it gets, you know, let out. I'm a textbook overthinker, there though. You go. So. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Yeah, that's I'm, true. I'm, I'm similar yeah. <laughs> in that sense as far as organization type stuff. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. Um, nope. when, I get, like, when I got to uh, UNF, um, I was doing private lessons. And that was kind of one of the things that the instructor was pushing. He was like, I was kind of like, well, I want to know, like, here's some changes. Like, what kind of what, what kind of scales can I play over these changes? Like, I want this is what I want to know. And he's like, no, just take these, take these, the sheet of riffs and, like, go practice these. And I was like, all right. And I was, you know, freshman in college. Where do you get those? Yeah, so. Where do you get those I, sheets? <laughs> yeah. Well, so I go in. They had practice rooms like side by side at UNF, as they probably do at most colleges. Mm-hmm. And I'm in, it, I'm in there, and I'm practicing these licks. And then I hear the guy next to me, saxophone player, I hear the same licks. And I hear this guy playing the same licks. Oh, and no. I was like, eh, yeah, You get scared with that. Well, so I was like, I just don't want to do that. Like, I don't yeah. want to come. I don't want to go be at a gig somewhere and play a solo and be like, oh, this guy. <laughs> I've uh, this guy had this instructor like he's playing this lick that I it might not be good but I'm original okay that's, <laughs> right exactly that's, that's, true. that's true I'm right that's there true. with you dude nice. I'm right there with you uh, me and Chris are on par what are you really good though <laughs> I'm uh, good <laughs> I'm alright <laughs> no, <laughs> um, my, my favorite thing are like when when I, when I first started playing with guys that went to school 
um, say, oh, you just, you know, you, you, you take these, uh, what were they? What were those, the books? Uh, real books and stuff? Not like the real books. Fake book? Not, yeah, those obviously like to learn the standards and yeah. stuff, but like, it's, uh, fuck, we used to sell them at the music stores. Like, like the exercise bars? No, <laughs> no, but I mean, kind of, it's like, it's a, you have like, you have a certain, like certain licks that you use to get from point A to point B. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. And then it's like, you have a then you have b and you have c and really the only difference is that you're just rhythmically changing the same notes mm-hmm. right so it's like you hear like you, especially when kids are still in school like oh that's from that that's right. that's like a from this book right yeah and uh how leonard how yeah, leonard licks yeah. and stuff like that <laughs> it's like i'm just like I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to be the guy that's doing uh, the lick from uh, you know the first lick in the Hal Leonard book. That's you know exactly what I mean? What I felt. I was like, I, I can't. And I actually ended up dropping my private lesson that year. Really? I stayed in jazz band, but dropped my private lesson. And I was in jazz band for like another year after that, and then I went to uh, marketing. Wow. Because mm-hmm. I love playing in the jazz band. It was fun. I just yeah. didn't want to do. I was like, I didn't want a teaching degree, and I didn't want a performance degree, so I was. I was That's, like, can I still play in? I dropped out <laughs> uh, after one semester. Yeah. But it was a good semester. Yeah. <laughs> I learned a lot. It was fun. I had a blast in jazz band. It was great. Yeah. I bet you learned a lot, too. A ton. Well, I, the first year I got there, I auditioned, and I, I was stoked that I made the band, um, but they put me on Barry. And I'd never played Barry before. I'd play alto my whole life. Like, up to really? that point. It's like, all right, you're going to play in Jazz Ensemble 3 on Barry. <laughs> you're like, like, what the fuck? Like, what? So I go, <laughs> I go to the locker to go rent a Barry from the school because I don't have one, obviously. Yeah. And Who has one? They're yeah, fucking yeah. huge. <laughs> well, I, I have one now. Like, oh, you do? <laughs> I actually really enjoyed it. I, when I started playing the charts with it, I was like, this is badass. Me and the bass drum player were just like playing the same licks. And I was like, this is pretty cool, man. That's cool. And I'm a short dude, so like short dude playing Barry is kind of like, I don't know, it's it's like a juxtaposition. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's fun, man. I, I enjoyed it. Those, up, those licks transfer. Yeah. Like, can you play those same things on like other saxophones? Yep. Yeah. So the, um, the keys are different a bit. So the alto and the Barry are both E flat instruments. So, um, you'd play an E flat on the guitar and I'd play a C I'd play a concert C. Oh, okay. That's uh, what they talk about. Yeah. Not yeah this is uh first semester of music <laughs> theory. And I was like, yeah. I'm not doing this. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. <laughs> and then the tenor sax and soprano are, bo- are both B flat. So like if I was doing like, we did some musical theater stuff in school and I'd get a chart and I'm playing saxophone. Sometimes the chart, there'd be parts in it for like flute on my chart, which we didn't have. So like, all right, just play this flute part. Like, so you can transpose, like, in your head real quick. That's pretty <laughs> wild, man. No, that's, that's, what, that's yeah. what it was. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to read stuff differently, yeah. too, yep. right? So mm-hmm. it's like, if this is, like, a C on the treble clef, you have to yep. read, you're playing something else. Yeah, I'm playing an A. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> and I was Fuck just that. like, when do we play a show? So yeah. when, you, <laughs> when do we play a show? And then yeah. also, I quit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for saxophone, that's the way it was. But for, I've done, I've only done one musical theater show on drums. And we did we do Rocky Horror Live. I've done oh, it like, no multiple way. times. Yeah, yeah. So, but I'm like I can't read drum charts. Yeah, like I can read regular. I can read treble clef and regular music stuff all day. I could follow a drum chart if I needed to, but like as far as I, I've just never sat down and learned how to read them because I never use it. Yeah. So it's I'm just got, like it's got to be like besides probably learning how to read Braille is probably the <laughs> boring, boring thing to learn. So there's no melody to it. Rock, like, Rocky Horror is easy. Like the music is just kind of like rock type stuff right so i'm like i'm just gonna i'm just gonna memorize just the whole show like uh, the whole like 
all the dialogue and everything from front to back, so I don't need a chart at That's the show. That's wild. Just do it. That's what I had to do when I, before I could read sheet music, too. I was just like... Memorize? Well, yeah, I would write down literally the note next to every single <laughs> note on there. I, I learned uh, Franz Liszt's Hungarian Rhapsody Number no. 2, that how way? to play that. With, by doing it that wow, way. Wow, that's crazy. Dude. And so uh, uh, then I started teaching piano, um, and then that's how I really learned how to read sheet music. And so I can read it. I'm not great. Out of 10, I'd say like a 6.5. Yeah. yeah. but I'm like at a 2. Yeah, he can't reading. read it at all. <laughs> I, Most I can guitarists read it. can't, though. I can yeah. read. I, I can read. That's uh, But I just can't. I can't sight read. Yeah. So if I, if, 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 if I see the, what you know the sharps and flats are. Well, that's what uh, I meant. And then... And then, like I, I see the staff, like I can tell you what the notes are, yeah. And I and I can tap the rhythms out for you, mm-hmm. but like I can't do, I can't do them both together. Right. That's what I was you saying. Know? That's what I was that I was doing before. It's like I, I be like, okay, so every good boy is fine here. And yeah. <laughs> so I, I was at your level when I was like in tenth grade or so, and uh, uh, have to do that if I transpose like bass cliff. Because yeah, I never read it. I'm just like, that's <laughs> true. Yeah. That's it's why like, I right, F's it. right here. It's called an yeah. F cliff for a reason. Because exactly. it's between these two dots. Yeah. Like, I'm going to go from here. <laughs> it's just, it's weird how sheet music works. It's like one, just, it just happened. Everyone always says like, it's just one day it'll happen. I'm like, when is it going to happen to yeah. me? Yeah. And then just, it did. I was like, holy fuck, I get it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, especially piano sheet music too, man. Because that's yeah. just like a whole other beast. I mean, yeah. I'm still not very good at rhythm. Like, I'm uh, at least uh, sight reading rhythm. Yeah. But. There's a, I actually had, good at. <laughs> I, I had a friend of mine when I was like 21, maybe 22, they were like, they were part of the theater crowd in like down South and, um, they were doing a play. They're putting on like a production of some musical. They're like, Hey, do you want to play guitar in it? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to do that. And it was paying really good money. Yeah. And my naive <laughs> self was like here's your book yeah well that's they were like they were like yeah it's not very difficult you could probably say, okay, yeah well i don't read but you know I'll learn it by ear yeah, yeah right and uh i couldn't find the music anywhere oh. so i was like you know what i took piano lessons when i was a kid which is i only know how to read music because it's just residual from yeah, that yeah. you know but like uh so at that time i was looking at this and i was like uh after i already took the gig yeah i was like <laughs> I called my friends and say, hey, man, uh, do you want this gig? Because I can't fucking do this. And that's when I realized, like, yeah, you really can't read sheet music at all. <laughs> so, yeah, lesson learned. Even the Rocky Horror stuff when they're doing, like, edits to the songs. It's yeah. Like, I didn't have a chart in front of me. So I'm like, like, oh, everybody go to, like, measure 40. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, that's the first chorus? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, all right. <laughs> but you see. Like, mental, you mental, mental note. Like, yeah. You'll see like YouTube videos. Uh, like, uh, there's this one uh, uh, piano player. He's he's kind of he's not even that old or whatever, but he's just, like uh, uh, a genius about sheet. Like he can read it like perfectly oh, yeah. in time. It, that's like one in a million. Jacob People, Collier. Like, no, not, not Jacob, Jacob Collier. He's, he's, he's insane. Again, like he's he's amazing <laughs> too. But most of the time, like w- when it comes to like reading sheet music, it's like. Nobody, I, I, I've never met anybody who can just sit down and be like, play the song immediately yeah. and be perfect. Yeah. It doesn't happen. It, it does happen. It's it just, does, I'm saying yeah. it's very rare, but yeah. uh, uh, you get better at it. And it's especially, I think piano. Like if you Tom can do Bennett that piano, can probably do it. You can, yeah, he, I'm saying. He can sight read the shit out of some stuff. As, yeah. as a piano player, you can fake it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like, but like doing it 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially um, if it's hard too. Like, no way. <laughs> so uh, I did want to. Uh, get because we're kind of running out of time. Right, but I wanted word. to. It's just some flying though. Yeah, uh, I wanted to talk to you about Parker Urban Band as oh, well. Yeah, of course. Cool. And what was what that that experience was like versus Fusebox and yeah, 
That was awesome. So actually, um, I met John at uh, our buddy Cyrus Caranta. I don't yeah, know if you knew him. I know Cyrus, a keys player. Yeah, phenomenal musician. Yeah, uh, phenomenal artist. Um, he did this thing at Underbelly, and that was. I don't know if it was the same night he was releasing his Ivory Lounge CD that he put out, but he he put this thing together called the Fela Commission, and we were going to do like a Fela Cootie tune. Nice. So oh, yeah. And so I got up. He wanted me to come out and do Barry. And I was like, cool. So it had Barry, had a horn section, had like legit like African drums, like drummers killing it, like awesome, like cool vibe. And I think we played, um, I think we played either Rofa Rofa Fight or Zombie. I think it was Ruffle Ruffle Fight. I can't remember. Whatever it was, it was, it was awesome. But John, John was playing guitar, and I remembered when I was, because I love Fela Kuti, and when we got there and we were fixing to go, I was like, there's this guitar player just, like, killing the riff that's happening the whole time, like, just hitting it perfect. Yeah. And it was John back there. He was like, like, nailing the part. I was like, this dude's cool, man. And I think we talked a little bit that night. Um, but when I when I really like talked to John, um, we played a show with Fusebox played a show with Parker Urban Band at Freebird, um, and it was a great night, great experience. Uh, I think I got up and jammed with them during their set, and we talked afterwards for a while. <clears throat> and it was one of those deals where, like you know, when you meet somebody and you're like your energy kind of like just matches, like you're on the same like energy plane, like yeah. Like you guys, yeah. <laughs> Don't make this weird. I'm gonna make it weird. <laughs> okay. But it was like it was like that instantly with John. It was kind of just like, kind of just hit it off yeah. as people and as as in music as well. And they're, I mean, they're like our family now. So it's it's super cool to be able to still be making music with them. Yeah. But when I started started off playing with Parker Urban Band, he'd invite me to come out and play. I was like, hey, if you're not gigging, like come out and you can come sit in so i would just sit in and then i kind of gradually became part of the group um and it was that was a great experience man tons of killer shows festival shows yeah you guys played Halloween yeah. and a bunch of the swanee stuff right yeah. i traveled went down to miami uh once or twice for different shows yeah um and it was great it was it was a great band and it was kind of it was it was cool for me as a horn player too because it was it was somewhat tough because it's as a single horn player, you got to be careful like when you're playing, especially when you have so you have two powerhouse vocalists, you got a key player and you got a guitar player, which are all in the same kind of frequency range as Reg- you. Yeah, register. So if you have another horn player and you're doing like section stuff where you can like hit lines together, it's it's cool. But when you're a single player, if you're just playing it's not like you're just playing over everybody right <laughs> it's yeah like you're it's just wanking on whatever's happening yeah so it's kind of like that kind of solidified kind of an approach that i still use today is like i've i'll err on the side of not playing as much when i'm in that kind of scenario ju- and just listen and see where i'm going to fit in because i don't want to like take away from what the vocalists were doing i don't want to take away from what john was doing and when it comes time to solo like of course like let's, let's go because it's like i don't gotta worry about that but as far as like intertwining like lines and stuff into these songs where all these elements are happening, it made it like a little bit more tough being the only horn player. Right. But there was times I remember seeing you guys and you would like double stuff with John yeah. or you would like kind of match with the, what the vocals were doing. Mm-hmm. And I remember just thinking like it was a, a unique way to play 
just one horn in a band yeah, yeah. you know i just like that was parker room band to this day is still one of my favorite bands That's from sure, jacksonville yeah. and uh yeah, man, that must have just been like a really fun time. It was, it was awesome, man. It was great. The, the whole everybody in the band was just like, I mean, like I said, man, all just like family. So yeah. Um, any moments with that band that you remember? Just like this is this is gonna happen. Oh man. Um, Halloween was a really good one. Um, we played. I can't remember if that was the year we played Mushroom Stage. One of these, we played Mushroom Stage at Swanee. It was like, I was like, this is, this is badass. Yeah. <laughs> it now, was great. Did you, were you like writing music with them as well? Or were you kind of just. Yeah, they, they had a, a really big repertoire already when I was kind of jumping in. Um, but after that point, you know, there's, you know, John, John constantly writes. Yeah. Um, so he was like, here's an idea for a song. Um, every, pretty much everybody in the band would have ideas for stuff. And then we would write at rehearsals kind of flesh stuff out and i would try and add you know horn elements to it that weren't intrusive <laughs> right right yeah. yeah it's gotta be hard man just to be like the only horn player yeah. you know well, and too like so i don't get out to many like jam nights these days just because with family and stuff yeah um but if if like before if i'd be at a jam night i'd still have that same sort of mentality as like i'm gonna listen and like see where i fit in whereas like some of the guys would come up and just like yeah, it oh, takes yeah. a lot of maturity Just to not below. be that guy. And I, well, I mean, I when I was coming up, like I would be that. I used to be that guy. Like, I think so everybody I was. was yeah. Because yeah. like, oh, I'll get to play. I'm gonna yeah. play like the fastest, hardest thing I could play, and like for as long as I could play it. <laughs> yeah. And so, jam like at jam night and stuff. Now, like if that's happened, like if I'm soloing and then like another player is like. So, like soloing instead of like comping i'll just like stop, <laughs> like, stop. i'm like all right you go ahead, man. i'm yeah, the same way you man do your thing i'm the same way <laughs> but i'm I, listening to me is like probably listening is equally if not more important than like chops yeah i yeah. think it's more important for sure because yeah. the chops are, are great but like all the chops in the world doesn't mean you're gonna get anywhere right but yeah. if you're a good listener that that almost certainly will get you hired or in a position where you're going to be really happy, mm-hmm. you know, and that to me, listening is the most important thing you could do, especially in a jam situation. Mm-hmm. Just like take a just take a breath, and just be like, okay. There's there's a drummer playing now. There's yeah. a bass player. What's happening with that? Oh, we have keys, or there's another guitar player. Or we have you know horns. What's going on with that? Right. And then kind of gauge a situation and be like, what can I do here? Oh, yeah. nothing. Let yeah. me just not play then. Yeah. Yep. You know, and that's. My favorite thing to do at a jam is just not play. Yeah. I'll get there just I'll just hold the guitar. <laughs> Especially when people are just wanking. I'm just like yeah. you guys are crazy. Like, I'm just gonna wait for my turn to like tell me when you want me to solo. Yeah. Especially <laughs> if, there's a, if there's like three guitar players up there, yeah. I'm not playing. Yeah. I'm just gonna stand there. Just let me know when it's my turn. <laughs> um uh also uh one of and then also one of my favorite bands in jacksonville tom bennett band yeah. which is <laughs> this is a crazy we've we've kind of you may have may or may not have gone this if you don't know tom bennett band uh this like steely dan meets frank zappa yeah uh just that's insane a, that's, a, that's a really good description of it yeah I, i've thought a lot about this oh, yeah. but when first i saw tom i was like this is ridiculously yeah. good. Yeah. And so to go from like the jazz and funk and hip hop style that you come from mm-hmm. into that scenario as a, a drummer who's not trained really. Right. How did you do that? <laughs> it was so the first time I saw Tom was at uh I think it was at Underbelly. It's for maybe a Jazz Fest After Dark like 
years and years ago. <clears throat> At that time, he had um, he had a, a bassist in the band, Lawrence Buckner. He's phenomenal, He's amazing, phenomenal yeah. bassist. And Mark Gibson was playing guitar, and uh, I think John Citroni was playing drums at the time. The first time I saw him. Nice. So I was, and I was just like watching. I was like, "This, what is this? Like, this is crazy." And they're doing kind of like comedy shtick stuff. Yeah. Just, like, the songs are wild. The content, like the the content of the songs, was wild. Like the vocal content. I was like, "This is just really fun." Um, and then I think Lawrence, he Lawrence went on to another project, and Tom got one other bassist after that, but like decided he was like, "If I'm just gonna play bass with my left hand," and he's very very good. Because <laughs> like yeah. it's like until somebody can come and like play bass better than I can play on my left hand, like I don't want to deal with like another person. Yeah, it's hard, man. Um, yeah. And like another schedule and all that stuff. So in the next time I saw him, Sean Taunton was playing with him. Um, which is also phenomenal again. And it's, it happened where Sean couldn't do a gig or something, and Tom reached out to me. He was like, hey, I heard you play drums, or I saw you play drums at, like, a jam night or something. Like, you want to come play at this gig? And I remembered the tunes being very technical and kind of out there, and I was like, yeah, it sounds like a really fun, like, project of something different that I don't usually play. Yeah. Um, so I took the gig, and that was six years ago, maybe? Wow. <laughs> five, so you played five, with them a long time ago. now. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yep. So you must have like first joined the band when I saw you guys. I saw you guys for the first time at Hourglass Pub. Yeah. Yep. Which was like probably f- oh, yeah. four or five years ago now. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yeah, that's probably pretty early on. Um, I've had some great guitarists in the band. Um, currently, we have Heath Chauncey, who's f- phenomenal guitarist. Yeah, definitely. So he's it's, we're he's I don't know how Tom finds these guitarists, but he's somehow he finds <laughs> them out of the woodwork, man. It's crazy. Somehow they 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 come. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Uh yeah, we lose a camera sometimes. It's okay, oh, you know, DIY podcast. Don't uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, So, uh, um, when you're when you're playing drums or sax or really anything, do does the fact that you're that you play other instruments kind of inform the way that you play Definitely. or approach those instruments? Definitely, yeah. For so when I'm playing drums, if I'm playing and somebody's soloing. I have a better idea of like what where they're gonna go in their solo. Yeah, just because totally. I'm kind of thinking like what would I what would I do like what would I do here, and that'll help me like play to them or like support them in a, in a way where if I didn't play a melodic instrument, I'm not sure if I would be able to. Right, right. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of cool that it, that transfers. I can't imagine like. I mean, I've I played with a lot of drummers over the years, and my favorite drummers to play with are the ones that have e- they either play other instruments mm. or have done intensive ear training. Right. Yeah. And because uh, I played with some guys where it's like they can't even tell that this is a five measure phrase right. versus <laughs> a four measure phrase like yeah. you would normally see. You know, my old drummer would be like, "Don't spell at me." Don't when, spell when at me. Being spell like, it. if we're gonna go G E D, see, they're like, "Don't spell at me." I'm yeah, like, just go. Yes, <laughs> learn a chord, it's, bud. That, that's and, and you know what? That's fine. If you can hear it, that's fine. Yeah. You don't need to know no, he, what I'm playing. But if if you can't tell that the phrase is starting over after five measures versus starting over yeah. after four measures, that becomes a problem yeah. for me as somebody who's soloing over the form or as a singer who's trying to sing right. over a five measure phrase. <laughs> you yeah. know, so it's like yeah, it's like they never heard a song before. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> that's the weirdest it's, thing. You're like, because they're not you know listening songs, to the melody. They're hard. You know songs just, work. Yeah, there's. <laughs> they're yeah. just counting. Yeah, counting, 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 counting. Yeah, so it's <laughs> so that's cool that you use your knowledge of the other instruments yeah. to kind of inform your drum playing or your, your drum playing, <laughs> your drumming. It's, it's yeah. kind of hit. It, I mean, you hit it on the head as far as just like it comes back to like listening again, and I think um, 
there's there's guys that just play drums that are phenomenal listeners. Yeah. Um, but if you played other instruments too, uh, especially like an instrument where you're gonna do like a melodic solo over, I think the listening might be on a at a different stage. And if you could bring that over to drums or like what other ever instrument you're playing, that's definitely a benefit. Yeah, for sure, mm-hmm. man. Um, are you got you guys in the studio now with Tom, yep. right? Yeah, we. I don't know. I have no idea when. It's we're doing an EP right now. Um, it's called The Loving Family. Um, so all of the songs That's about like the strippers funny, and stuff yeah. that that Tom has. Um, it's like a fake family, like based on her life and like what happens, like the turmoil of this like dysfunctional family. Yeah, so it's kind of almost like a concept EP. That's cool, yeah, way, yeah. but yeah. Um, so the, it's kind of like a rock opera in yeah, a sense, oh, right? Yeah. What's a, what's a yoga? Uh, what's <laughs> hot it yoga, called? yeah. Yeah, hot yoga. That's such a funny <laughs> song, man. The music, the music's pretty much done, I believe. We're waiting to track vocals and then mixing and mastering, and it'll be hell ready yeah, to man. Go. Stoked to yeah, hear it's it, gonna man. be awesome. Um, and as far uh, before we wrap everything up, there's a couple questions I want to ask sure. you. What, what were they? Let's see. Uh, is there? Uh, is there a dream scenario for you as a musician that you would just like people that to play with or just a scenario that you would just love to do even just like one show yeah. or like an or like a like an EP or something If I got the call to play in Lewis Cole's band I would just be like I love him <laughs> Me too man Have you uh, he's, I don't even know who that no, is He's the he's the drummer from Nowhere Oh okay yeah, yeah. Uh, but he has he has his own thing and that makes sense why you like yeah. Tom Bennett so much but mm-hmm. he is the best he has a I have to send you they, he put out a live like video that's a compilation of the, like that like the the the, yeah. uh, the pandemic special or whatever yeah. you want to call it where it, yeah oh my god it's ridiculous his band is like he, he's got this killer's horn section bassist like. It's nuts. I'll have to check it All out. All those kids that Wait, went to I think you've showed it to yes, me before. The, the, the government knows when you masturbate. That's all. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that's Nowhere, that's actually. Nowhere, yeah. no, but, I, well, I know Nowhere. I, I yeah. love Nowhere, too. Like, yeah, yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Nowhere's uh, phenomenal. Yeah. But, but, yeah, geez, yeah, 100%. I would do that. <laughs> I'll be like, that That guy needs no help, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, well, like, I can, like, can I come play horn in your band? Yeah. yeah. For a show? Yeah, he's he's crazy. Like I know all the songs. Skinniest motherfucking girl yeah, in your yeah. life. It looks like he's just like addicted to. We got to man. see him at really? the Halloween two years ago. Yeah, yeah Noah, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who'd you play there with? Um, actually, I didn't play that year. Oh, I just, you I just went. Yeah. Okay. Because well, yeah, that's I, the year we played. I bought tickets because I was like, there's a rumor that Jamiroquai was gonna play. Yeah. And I bought tickets, and I was like, they've never come anywhere like near here. Yeah. So I'm gonna get a ticket in just in case, and they ended up being added. And then I started seeing the rest of the lineup. I was like. Holy shit! Noah's playing too. Like yeah. Wolfpack's playing. Like, yeah, all I these you killer got, bands. That's hilarious. Thank you for saying that. I'm changing my one of my unpopular opinions now. Yeah. <laughs> I already know what he's changing. Uh, anyways, uh, uh, did you see our set at Halloween? Uh, two years ago. Yeah, I think I saw the end of y'all set. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. when we did Boston. Yeah. Okay. I was killer. Say, wow, bro. Banger. Couldn't even come killer. see your set, but killer I had that banger. one ready to go. But you yep. saw so okay. Killer. It's so weird. Every, every I try to catch all the all of like my friends' local like bands that are at the big festivals every time. Like, That's no awesome. Matter what. Yeah. yeah. I, I always get props from any keyboardist when we play that song. They're like, "Holy it's shit!" It's a hard song to play. <laughs> yeah. It's not really that hard. It's just it just takes a little while to learn. Yeah. <laughs> It's I guess just, that's I a game thing, fast. though. I can yeah. play fast, and if it's classical, done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm good at that. Um, all right, cool. So we should move on to unpopular opinions then. Yeah. Uh, part of the show. Do you want me to go first? <laughs> uh, go, yeah, you can go first. I, you always go first, but if I, I can go first this time. Um, <laughs> this is silly, but last night I had this very, like, realistic dream that me and my little sister were on the campaign trail with Donald Trump. Wow. And basically um, – 
from the dream, he just uh, uh, was a dick on camera, but really behind the scenes, <laughs> he's just a real lonely guy. It's a sad clown. He was just a very sad clown, and so I, I, I like in the dream, I felt bad for him, and me and my sister were like, "Oh man, we feel bad." But uh, anyways, my first unpopular opinion is Donald Trump just needs a good friend. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think you would have ended up a lot lot nicer. Yeah, maybe. It's not even the, I'm not even talking about policy. It's just him as a human being. Yeah. yeah. He's being just, nicer. He's just person. mean. <laughs> yeah. Just he's a very mean person. <laughs> yeah. I don't care what you if you vote for him or whatever. Just he's a he really needs mean, a good friend. He, he needs, needs a good friend. And I, I think like he was just like a frat kid. Uh, a rich kid back in New York. He didn't have any friends. His, his dad probably didn't have time for him. His best friend was probably his nanny. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> and like, just then got pushed off to Columbia or wherever he went to in New York. And then just like, then on out, he just had to be a dick. That's how he got people to, to respect him. But Don, if you're out there, if you're watching, like, get a friend. Get a friend. Get get a friend. I don't have a lot in common. It's we could talk. That's what we were talking about football the whole time in my yeah. dream too. He's like, he's just a down to earth guy. That's a good band name. Donnie gets a friend. Donnie gets a friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever. That's my unpopular opinion. Um, all right. So my first unpopular opinion is uh, Chili Peppers fans beware. Uh, Stadium Arcadium is the best Chili Peppers record. What songs are on that one? Oh, uh, the songs about California, Which, <laughs> and more songs about nice. California. <laughs> That's my joke, but a good one. <laughs> um, so, uh, Humpty Dump is on that one. I don't know that uh, is. Uh, especially in Michigan, no. uh, Stadium Arcadium. Uh, song Danny California. You definitely heard. Nah. Uh, I mean, it's it will t- it's it's two albums. Which one's on the radio? Mars. Danny California What's is that one. one about? And then uh, what was the other sing one? It. Snow is the other one that was on the radio. I don't know any I'm of these sing songs, the songs right now. But, <laughs> Are you sure uh, that? Guitar back here just yeah, let's pull it out real yeah. quick. Actually, I'm pretty sure Tom uh, Tom Petty was going to sue them for Danny California. Yeah. He Why? didn't, though. He didn't. Uh, because it's basically the same chord progression as Last Dance of yeah, Mary Chains. Uh, you, same uh, kind of riff. you can't you can't uh, sue over chord progressions. They well, they, but they actually interviewed him about it. He was like, "Man, it's, after after a while, it all sounds the same. It's rock and roll. It all sounds the right, same." Yeah. And then, like a couple years later, you sue Sam Smith for uh, <laughs> for for uh, the "Can't Back Down" yeah, melody, yeah. basically. So you know, just saying, Tom, bit of a hypocrite. But Come whatever. on, Tom. Yeah, I don't think uh, I listened to that album before or any of those songs. It's the best. What you're a Chili Peppers fan, obviously. It sounds like based off your reaction. <sighs> I was older, older school Chili Peppers, yeah. Blood Sugar, Sex, Magic. Yeah, you're 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 probably a few years older than us, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of how every everybody has like a generation of the Chili Peppers that yeah. they grew up with. Yeah. I grew up with like the the uh, like um, God damn it, like Californication record and all that. Yeah, is and that then, the one with Under the Bridge? That's Blood Sugar, Sex, Magic. Yeah, that, that one. Mm-hmm. I like that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good one. Song you've heard off that record. <laughs> I love Blood Blood Sugar, Sex, yeah. Sex, Magic also, but. Stadium Arcadium came out when I was a senior in high school, mm-hmm. and it was like, holy shit, this, this, and I was also <laughs> experimenting with drugs and whatnot, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, this record's amazing, but it was also, to me, that that's like the culmination of every era of Chili yeah. Peppers put into one. That's, that's it's a like good the, description of it. It's like funk, like the, like the funky stuff, but it's also like Stadium Arcadium, more mel- melodic, kind mm-hmm. of softer Chili Peppers. It's just like kind of all of it. I thought that was just like, it, like their entire career led to that record, it seems like, you know? Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, while Billy's fixing the camera, we can do another unpopular opinion. Do, do you want to? Do you have one while Billy's doing that? Um, unpopular opinion. Uh, I don't like "Coconuts" by Westford Panic. You don't know, the, the song. The song. Okay. I, I I don't know if I know that one by name, but I think it's by them. <laughs> I never want to play it again. Have you played it before? <laughs> oh yeah. 
I'm not a big widespread <laughs> panic fan in general. Uh, I love Jimmy Herring. Yeah. He's like one of my favorites, but I'm kind of with you there, honestly. You guys are lame. Widespread's awesome. Anyways. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> uh, they're uh, great. Jimmy uh, Herring's amazing. This is, this is an attack at you. Uh, getting hit in the face isn't that fun. Yeah. He's been uh, doing Muay Thai for like, and oh, just won't yeah. stop talking about it. I'm like, dude, this, that doesn't look I fun. I won't stop talking about it. It's, it's, it's the, uh, an, uh, an amazing release for me. And it's a great workout, and it teaches you a very you got, like, practical skill. No, that, I don't know where that's coming from. That's weird. Uh, but I do, <laughs> I do have <laughs> domestic abuse. Um, anyways, weird, uh, no, I was joking. <laughs> Chelsea doesn't hit me. Um, but uh, actually, more, she's been taking more time with me, this so she does that. This is a safe space. This is a safe space. Talk about it. Uh, no, I just I, I enjoy Muay Thai a lot. It's a great skill to learn fighting. That, it's a very practical fine, martial art. Though, to get hit in the face because it's it's a game. It's like a game. It's like game. here's your opponent. Also trying to get hit by them <laughs> and also try to hit them. Or, like play Connect Four. That's a game. It's fun, but you're learning a real practical skill. Yeah. Muay Thai is probably one the most practical martial art there is. It's one that's most applicable to a street fight, mm, I think, God, versus dude. like other one ones. Day. Yeah, I could do you could do that too, but there's you know. <laughs> anyways. Uh, so that's you got one more. I got two more actually. Two uh, more. My second <laughs> popular opinion is one hot minute is the second best Red Hot Chili oh, Peppers God. record, and that's like blasphemous. Uh, that's Dave Navarro playing guitar on not yeah. not John What's Shanti. the song off of that one? Uh, Aeroplane. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Um, also, my favorite song by the Chili Peppers, just in general, is My Friends. Yeah, uh, that's a good song. Yeah, I so that's it's such a, it's really great some funk record stuff too. On that. Um, was one that had the crazy video? Video they're like in the silo. Like in oh the- yeah, wait, well, which one was that? I don't remember. I don't remember which one that was, but I know which video you're talking yeah. about. The song was kind of like thumping, like super, like hard funk type stuff. Yeah, there's some great cool fun- funk tunes on that record. Mm-hmm. And Dave Navarro, you don't think about a funk player, mm-hmm. right? But it's like you hear that record, like is he doing? That's like some legit funk comping he's right. got going on right now. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was a great record. Uh, okay, your last one. My last one. I can't remember why I wrote this down. I think we were talking about something. I was reaching at straws for this one, but I said practicing is for losers. Yeah, you have. <laughs> we, well, we can tell by <laughs> your performances that you don't like to practice. No, um, I was being sarcastic because it's interesting. Uh, for the like the past six months, like we've been in coronavirus, and then all the gigs got canceled, and then I got hired or not hired, but started rehearsing with all these bands, but. I, haven't played a show yet. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, wow, this is a lot great. of practice. A lot yeah, of practice. A lot of practice. I'm practicing nonstop. I'm just like, oh my god. Yeah. Let me have a show. I like practice. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I like practice. I want to play. I want to play a show now. Yeah. But yeah. Practicing nonstop. Anyway, this is your last one. Let's wrap this up. My last one is. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have. Re- <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say I don't care. Uh, Jamiroquai set Halloween was not good. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you have an off night. Uh, what do you think? I thought, I thought it was. I was excited for it just because I'd never seen them and I, we were front row for it. Yeah. So I was like, it was being front row for that was a cool experience. Um, couple songs I missed out on that they didn't play. So yeah, and they started like an hour and a half late. Yeah, and also after every single song, which is like two minutes of dead, dead silence, silence. Yeah. And I'm just like looking around. I was like. I'm like Paul Levine must be throwing a fit right now. Yeah. There's no way that you paid. I don't can't don't even want to imagine a number gazillions. To, yeah, to get this band here's your headliner, and this guy can't even talk in a fucking microphone. <laughs> uh, and not to mention that the sax player was taking a phenomenal solo. Yeah, it wasn't even coming through the mains. Yeah. Wasn't coming, but but I could hear a little bit to of the, the monitor. monitor yep. and I could see that he was feeling it and know that he, oh, he yeah. knew he was crushing it, but had yep. no idea it wasn't coming through the mains. It was I'm just sad, like, yo, man. you guys are. 
bo- like, the, the sound people are botching this set right now. Yeah, yeah and also it all like. sounded like it was just being played on on like like a Spotify stream. Right. It was like there was. It's it was that good. It sounded like the record. No, it was it was that compressed and terrible fidelity. Oh, no. I'm listening to. I'm just like I can literally sit here and have and be talking like this, and you yeah. can hear me. Yeah. Which if I'm at a bar, that's okay. But at a live show, it's got to be cranking. Especially generic. Why yeah. we're just like I just want to fucking go raging. You know, it's I don't know. It's not good. So, nice. anyways, that's my last unpopular opinion. Sweet. Um, you already said yours. Something about widespread coconuts. Yeah. Coconuts. You're not yeah. not a fan of that coconuts. song. Coconuts. I'm going to listen to it. You've uh, heard it before. You're going to be like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe I have. Maybe I have. Um, Chris, thanks for being on, man. Yeah, this thank you for having this, me. It was a blast. Yeah, it was a yeah, good this one. This one yeah. fucking flew right on. by, man. Yeah, was, yeah. I felt That's like we didn't have enough time <laughs> to talk about everything. <laughs> That's how you know. um, but, yeah, man, thanks for doing this. And uh, support Tom Bennett Band and go yep. see them at the Monster Mash Festival. Make sure you uh, support us and all of our social media outlets. Bottom of the Bill has all its own platforms now yeah, on Facebook, Facebook and Instagram. Page, yeah. yep. And also, please support Side Hustle. That's still the main thing. We're trying to keep that going, so make sure you're supporting that. And we got, uh, we're got we working on the album, and hopefully by the end of the year, it'll be coming out. Sweet. So, yeah, we're going back there at the end of October. We're going back at the end of October to finish nice. up the tracking on the it. end of it. Yeah, so have some singles to you, hopefully by the end of the year. Woo-hoo. And, uh, yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you next cool. week. Catch you later. Adios, muchachos. Later.